Hello and welcome back to the Wise Athletes Podcast with your host, Joe Lavelle. On today's episode number 101, I am talking with Chris Wickman, who is a longtime biotracker as well as author and speaker on the topic of longevity. I found Chris's writings on Vince Giuliano's website, Anti-Aging Firewalls. Vince was just a guest on Wise Athletes, so perhaps you've already explored Vince's amazing website. Chris wrote two very compelling articles on biometrics and aging and on managing your health by analyzing your personal health and fitness data. I just had to invite Chris to tell his story. The concept of biological age is all the rage among the longevity-focused people today. Of course, it makes complete sense to seek a scientifically quantified way to assess whether you are aging faster or slower than other people your age. In a single number, you can get an attaboy for all your attention to your health, or you can get a huge wake-up call. And with additional measurements over time, you can assess the effectiveness of any health and lifespan extending interventions that you actually do. And you can find out if you picked the right things to focus on and whether you did it right. And then you can react and improve again and again. With this growing interest, more and more services are showing up to help us with this complicated effort. But the old school way was simply to keep track, try things, and see if the biomarkers improved. Blood test markers such as cholesterol, blood glucose, insulin sensitivity, vital sign metrics such as resting heart rate, blood pressure, HRV, functional markers such as grip strength, VO2 max, walking speed, balance, limb strength, and cognitive measures such as memory and reasoning speed. So listen in as Chris describes his process for tracking his biometrics and health experiments and some of his personal findings for his own personalized health plan. All right, let's talk to Chris Wickman, biotracker extraordinaire. Chris Wickman, welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast. Uh, thanks so much, Joe. I appreciate this opportunity to talk with you. Yeah, fantastic. I found you on Vince Giuliano's website. You had published one article caught my attention in particular about biometrics. And then there was another article that was all about all the different things you've done and all the different metrics. And I was like, wow, because of course, if this is more and more of a thing on the internet, you know, we're hearing more about people doing this sort of thing. But I don't know, maybe you were the first. Tell us, Chris, tell the audience about your background and all of that. Yeah, I won't take credit for being the first. I've learned from a lot of people along the way. And, and by the way, Vince is is just fantastic. I've been working with him for Great. almost two years now, uh, but I've been reading his blog for, gosh, probably five to seven years. But about, uh, I guess, 2012, probably I, probably I had Lyme disease. Oh. I was tested at the time because I was having some symptoms and they were all negative. I didn't actually get a diagnosis until about, I don't know, six, six years ago. I saw some doctors and they didn't know what was, was going on. And I got some good advice about keeping track of what I was doing. I was also trying to do my own differential diagnosis as a complete novice. And I started keeping track of things. I really didn't get into much analysis probably for the first few years. But I think that was the basis of my self-tracking uh, or quantified self-article uh, which Vince published for me. The first article I did was on uh, biomarkers of aging. So reading Vince's blog, you know, I became really interested in this uh, anti-aging and longevity movement. Yeah. I, I'm a numbers guy. I, I like uh, metrics and things. I did a lot of that in my uh, previous career. So I was wondering, you know, there seem to be many different ways to measure biological age and how you're doing. 
Because I think as we age, and especially for people who are into athletic endeavors, you know, one of the best ways you can maintain your, your performance and abilities is to slow down aging if we can. And, and yeah. we're, you know, we're pretty close to that. So um, it's definitely been a learning experience. Um, but uh, yeah, do keep a lot of numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Let's help some people who maybe are, are kind of new to the topic. Let's, what is biological age versus chronological age? Yes, that, that's a good question to start with. So, of course, uh, chronological age, you know, we, we measure our age in years since our birth. But um, in recent years, there's this concept of, you know, some people seem to be looking good for their age and some people, mm-hmm. you know, don't look so good. And so the question came up like, okay, how, you know, how many years left perhaps does a person have? Now, that's one way to look at it, mortality risk for where they are and goes along with that is biological age. So, you know, we have average life expectancies. And if somebody is 72 chronological, but biologically, they're more like 85, you know, they're, they're working on borrowed time. Uh, and so there's been quite a number of research in various methods to try to quantify that. So there are physical performance measures like your gait speed or your grip strength. There are complex ones that look at your DNA and what's called the methylation of your DNA, which... Um, is this the epigenetic? Yeah, epigenetic. So epigenetics, your DNA can actually get modified, and some of that carries over from generation to generation. Uh. And as your DNA gets uh, methylated by a various biochemical process, it either turns down that DNA, um, you know, whatever is generating particular proteins from that section of your DNA strands, or, um, you know, turns it up or turns it down as you age. And some of those are good and some of those are not so good. So they've been able to figure out which ones contribute most to aging and come up with a uh, kind of a complex but single number marker by measuring the methylation of that all those DNA strands. And there's quite a number of different models. I mean, Dr. Horvath has been one of the leading uh, experts in this. And I think, you know, Vince has published some uh, articles going into that in depth, and then my my kind of summary one on biomarkers. So that article would give people a pretty good idea of of you know what's out there. I mean, there are there are skin tests. There's all kinds of different tests that look at um, look at that. Uh, and I've seen some of them. In fact, I've taken some of them myself here just recently as I've become more aware of these things. So there's this epigenetic is kind of the uh, gene expression test, and 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 I think. More in, in the distant past, there was telomere length, right? We'd all heard that shortening telomeres is a sign of aging. And so they would measure your telomeres to see how fast you were aging. And then there's the obvious functional things, you know, VO2 max maybe and grip strength. And you talked about walking pace and things like that. So, and then I, I guess the things that I have taken are just based on blood markers. And so I guess that that comes from some big databases, you know, in Haines, where they've tracked people over time and, and then they track when these people died so that they were able to come up with some statistical prediction on if your blood markers are doing this, then you're more likely or less likely to die than that population of people that were in that study. So all of those things together are kind of 
looking at different things, maybe different organs. And intellectually, it's kind of a curiosity to be able to see, well, if I'm 58 years old, but my biological age is 40, I'm doing good. Or if I'm 58 years old and my biological age is 65 or more, it's like, oh, I'm not doing good. And so maybe that's a good wake-up call, but I'm not sure that that really is the information that we need other than maybe a kick in the butt. What we need to know is what can we do? And maybe we need to know more about which parts of my blood or my performance or my gene expression are bad and can be affected. I mean, have you, I'm sure that you've dug into this. Yeah. So the blood test is, is, a, is a great easy one because some people have, you know, their annual physical results and some of that. Yeah. Was, I think it's, is it open AI or something? Um, I think, you know, mine came up like I'm 35 years old, even though I'm a lot older than that. Aging AI, I think you're talking about. Aging AI, yeah. The weakness of these things is your organs age at different rates and it's, it's still difficult to say like, you know, what your biological age is that encompasses, you know, your brain and your organs and your skin and your muscles. That, that's still, I mean, people like Dr. Horvath have taken samples from different tissue and tried to develop the, uh, the science in that area. So it's a work in progress. So I have, you know, many different tests I've done. There are skin tests, like facial things, telomeres. I've had a lot of those done. Uh, True Diagnostic is one of the, the better leading uh, epigenetic ones right now. Okay. They've done some studies, I think, with um, I don't know, is it a supplement? A couple of supplements. Might, one of them might be AKG, which is a, a popular anti-aging supplement right now. And they, I think they did show aging reversal in a very small sample of humans taking that. So, you know, you can use some of these tests to see how you're doing if you're very serious about, about this stuff. But generally, you, you don't want to be doing them like every few months. Some of these things take a while to make an improvement. Then on the other hand, you know, I've kind of self-graded myself on just the, the, without having an aging test, just objective where I can, subjective where I have to, of all the components of, of my body, my sight, my vision, my physical performance, my cardiovascular, VO2 max. I've got about 30 of them. Hmm. And I grade myself anywhere from red, yellow, green, and blue. And then, you know, I can kind of work on, on the weak areas. And, but then also I've developed, I guess, a, a basic model of all of the, the pathway to physical performance from eating food and breathing in air to having your systems process that into your bloodstream, through your liver, into your muscles, storing glucogen, you know, all that pathway. And I've also tried to look at where are the weak spots in my body that it can affect my particularly cardiovascular performance in that aspect. And then, of course, you have the, you know, the, the age tests. Um, n- not too many of those are specific to particular organs or, or physiological systems, but it can provide some clues. So I've looked at all of those areas, trying, you know, aiming for self-improvement. Well, can I ask you how you have done? Uh, you said you, on the aging AI I have a guess at how old you are just from our conversation earlier, not based on how you look. You look pretty young, actually. But I think that that aging AI of, you said 30... 35, I think, was the last one, yeah. Is certainly below your chronological age, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 60s, Joe. Oh, wow. Okay, you're doing really good. Have you been able to 
reduce or increase the gap between your chronological age and your biological age through the interventions that you're pursuing? I don't have the data for that yet. Um, so I've really, it's probably only been about a year that I've started really focusing on some of those aging tests. Okay. But I can say that I believe I've made progress. Like if I had done some of these tests two to five years ago, I do believe that, yes, I, I have, you know, de-aged certain aspects. For example, my triglycerides and cholesterol, I think, you know, one or both of those may go into one of the aging, that AI uh, blood test. And by correcting some unknown nutrient, micronutrient deficiencies, you know, I, I made some significant improvements in those, those areas. Um, another one is um, Dr. Sinclair has, has certainly popularized NAD and NR and things like that. Yeah. And um, there's a company that, you know, can actually test your NAD levels. Hmm. I think it's Chinfinity. And um, I had mine checked, and they were those of a healthy, you know, 25, 30-year-old. Wow. So, and I do take NR. I've taken NMN at times. And so I think probably that wouldn't have been where it is five years ago. <laughs> Just looking at you, I can tell you're doing good. Although, I guess the real problem is, especially with these one-number measuring systems, you know, you know, your biological age is X, is that... At best, even if it counted, even if it considered all of your organs, at best, it's an average, I guess, of how you're doing in all of your organs. And a person does not move on to the next phase of life by all of their organs on average failing. It's usually one thing gets you. And so your average biological age is not as important as maybe your oldest, whatever system is the weakest and the oldest and needs the most help. So your approach to kind of having a scorecard rather than a number, one number, that seems more sensible to me. That seems like a way where you can sort of see how you're doing over time and you can see where you're the weakest now and you can put almost all of your attention on those things. But while you're watching the other things where you're already good, because maybe you're going to try an intervention and it's going to injure some of the things you're already good at, even if it's good at dealing with the thing where you're weak at, but that's not a good answer. You want to find, you want to keep hunting for the thing that keeps where you're good, good, and resolves where you're bad, makes it stronger or younger. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for an athletic performance, you know, there's different aspects that contribute to that, you know, between strength and cardiovascular and flexibility, et cetera. And athletes, you know, have different body and build types and they'll tend to gravitate to the sports where they do, they do well in. Yeah. But all that said, yes, there are going to be areas where you're weaker, you know, in your whole body, you're going to, you're going to die from a weak link eventually. And so, um, you know, if you can, understand what those areas are and um, do something about them. And not only that, um, this concept of, you know, one size fits all, I think, you know, that's slowly changing in medicine. I mean, with, you know, genetic based, you know, medicine and things like that. So uh, my, my article about self-tracking gets into, you know, once you know some areas you want to work on, how do you know what helps you? Like you may think a certain therapy or whatever is good for you, but, I've, I've gone into doing a lot of analysis, correlation studies with things like Excel, et cetera, 
and done many experiments to see, okay, does this actually work well for me? Mm-hmm. So areas like sleep, many different aspects, you know, of, of self-improving my sleep, try this, try that. And then, you know, I, I have an aura ring, I have a whoop strap um, and, you know, check my numbers and see what actually works once you know your weak areas. Right. Yeah. I guess I'm just curious to know, do you find, or have you found that anything out of the, what everybody knows category? And, and so that would mean, you know, get enough exercise, get enough sleep, eat a healthy diet, not too much, not too, you know, the basic stuff is, has anything other than that turned out to be really important to kind of like be as important as some of the, those big levers in your own pursuit here? You know, I think a lot of this is, you know, so-called common knowledge, but sometimes you're not sure. Like, so um, at times I was having some significant fatigue issues and I would just like, okay, I'm, I need to, you know, take it easy. My whoop strap says, you know, you didn't have a good recovery. Take it easy today. But I found by recording a lot of numbers and doing some studies on that, I found that actually if I took it too easy, I, I further regressed. I had to maintain <laughs> some minimal activity level, even though my whoop strap was saying, take it easy. Interesting. That was really interesting. The other thing I didn't realize, I did, I started looking at seasonal variations and just, you know, um, some numbers, how I felt, how well I slept, how active I was. And, you know, no surprise, there were seasonal variations, but I didn't realize how much getting time outdoors helps improve my numbers. I mean, uh-huh. you know, the whoop strap is nice in that area where you can record each day what you did the day before, and then it'll tell you how well you recovered and which ones help the most. And sleep and getting time outdoors are my top two uh, month in and month out for helping my overnight recovery. Wow. And I didn't realize how important the outdoors time was. Yeah. I have just become more aware of that as a, like another big lever being outside, whether it's sunshine and not necessarily UV, but, you know, infrared, you know, bouncing off of everything, you know, you're in, in the trees and you're, and you're getting that sunlight bouncing around and, and getting into your body. Maybe you have a perspective on what you think helped you, but is it the sunlight getting on you? Is it the, is it the grounding yourself in the, you know, on, in the earth's uh, electrical field? Is it the, just the pleasure of being out in nature just sort of de-stresses everything? Well, well how would you characterize it? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's a combination. So definitely sunshine. So I'm, I'm a big believer in sunshine also. You know, I, I have concerns about this, um, you know, avoiding sunshine and slathering on too much sunscreen. If you, if you get like early day sunshine before it gets too strong, your, your skin seems to tolerate that okay. So I like to get yeah. 20, 30 minutes of, of sunshine on as much as my, my body as I can each day. Um, doesn't always work out. Being outdoors, even without the sunshine, it turns out, I read a very recent scientific article where they didn't realize how many, like, you know, the concept of um, free radicals and, and how sure. antioxidants are good for that. Turns out your body emits through your skin a lot of, and, and your breath, a lot of free radicals. And these build up when you're inside a closed environment. Hmm. Whereas when you're outside, that gets dissipated and uh, cleared away by ozone and things like that. So that's one aspect of just getting outside. You're getting away from that buildup 
if you don't have constantly fresh air coming into your home, depending on where you live, <laughs> that explains partly why getting outside is good. But also, you know, the Japanese concept of forest bathing, there's definitely that mental aspect of just something about, I, I, this is really crazy. When I'm at the gym and I'm on a rowing machine, if I look out the window, my form improves. And I, <laughs> I don't know how that is, but just looking out at nature, my rowing form improves. That's crazy. Yeah. So there's something about being outside in nature. And then grounding. There's grounding. They don't quite understand how that works yet, but they've definitely established that it helps. And the theory is that that also helps balance the free radicals in your body. When you have that good contact with the earth, somehow that seems to help. I mean, even like getting in the ocean, you know, getting in a body of water, yeah. these things seem to help rebalance your body. The science is still developing there, but all of that, you know, is part of the, the story of getting outdoors. Yeah. And I, I know people, some people listening here are thinking, oh my gosh, such woo-woo crap. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Maybe, but have an open mind. Yeah. You don't want to have your mind so open that your brain falls out. But if you don't have any room in there for learning new things, you're doomed. So if these things sound too good to be true, we'll look into it and see what you can find out. That, that would be my advice to people. Okay, so that's that's really great. Thanks for that. Maybe take a step back here, talking about just like the general population. We all know that Americans just in general are not doing well. Now, my audience here is athletes, and so they are not the average American. But the average American, I, I just recently read that almost 80% of people over 55 have at least one chronic disease. So they're like permanently on some medication that's got some powerful impact on their body to keep them alive. And then all the side effects that come along with it. And then when you get to 65 year olds and, and older, it's then 86%. And then half of them have two or more chronic diseases. So more medications that are having side effects. Of course, the medicine has done a great job of coming up with these medications that keep us alive. And so lifespans have been going up generally for a long time. But what we're interested in is lifespan. We want a, we want a good quality of life. I want to be able to ride my bike when I'm 100 years old. I want to be myself. I don't want to be some shadow of who I used to be and I'm you know, mentally and physically not really there anymore. I, you know, I want to be me. And so me accumulating chronic diseases and taking these permanent medications that are not curing me, they're just keeping me alive. That is not the way to ride my bike on a bike tour of Italy when I'm hundred years old. So we've got to somehow solve the root causes of what is causing this aging. And I, and I don't suppose we'll ever in my lifetime anyway, get to where people can live forever because we've, we've perfected our body's ability to repair itself over time. But surely we can slow down the rate of aging and we can ward off these chronic illnesses and get off, and get off of or not get on to these medicines that are so powerful that you know, they're keeping us from enjoying our lives. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think um, 
We may we may get there in our lifetime. Yeah. You know, Ray, it's been a few years since he said this, but Ray Kurzweil said that he thinks by 2030 we will figure this out, which is quite an astounding statement. That's not very far away. It's not very far away. Yeah, I'm not sure if it will be by then, but I think we will probably by then understand how to do it. Maybe not in practice, but I think we'll understand the biology, the science of what's happening. We're very close now, uh, we think, to understanding. But of course, you know, science is full of broken theories um, that sounded great, but then didn't work out. And, you know, I think it's a very difficult thing what's going on with with medicine and and diseases. There's uh, different motivations, unfortunately, in the whole, you know, medical, big pharma, et cetera, government community. There are natural ways for healing things that probably don't get enough attention have been have been buried. I'm a big believer in vitamin D, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very controversial. Back in the 50s, companies were making anti-cancer drugs with like 50,000 units of vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And then they stopped that for <laughs> curious reasons. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, yes, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of taking lots of, of medications. I do take a few, unfortunately, but I'm always looking for ways to to get rid of that. For example, I used to take some blood pressure meds. Yeah. And, um, you know, by looking at my records over time, I found that although they seemed to be the best for my situation, they did, weren't making a big difference. And I was having side effects. And so discussing with, discussing with my doctor, I said, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop them. And um, the side effects have gone away. And I'm not clear that my blood pressure went back up that much. I, I, I'm a big believer in uh, things that boost your nitric oxide, which can help reduce your blood pressure. Yeah, citrulline or beetroot juice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I started years ago with arginine and then switched to citrulline, and now, you know, beetroot products. Yeah, and I test myself with nitric oxide test strips, which you can get readily available, you know, to see which product works best. So, yeah, I was able to get rid of that med. Fantastic. Okay, I guess it probably is worth saying people because you know this question of you'd said oh we thought we were close before or thought we had an answer to the this or that and then turned out we didn't i think that that just goes back to the problem with complex systems a human being is a very complex organism the definition of a complex system is one where there's lots of moving parts they're interconnected they affect each other and the system is very, very sensitive to the starting condition and tiny little changes can have outsized effects. It almost seems like it's chaotic, like it's random, like there's no sense to it. But I think that the work that's been done is showing us that there is some sense to it. It is understandable. It's hard. And maybe a regular person can't really get to the bottom of everything but there is a lot of information out there about how the body works and what foods make which parts of the system get better and which exercises make other parts of the system get better and things like that. And so I think that it is possible. I mean, we've you've done some work yourself and I'm familiar with Mike Lustgarten, who's kind of an internet 
famous guy who's been doing the same kind of tracking and statistical analysis uh, you know, for some amount of time on himself and trying to find things that make him better and and has had a lot of success. He, you know, like you, his biological age is well below his chronological age. And, and the more he's tweaked it, the better it has gotten. And on one hand, you might say, because um, my daughter did say this, that when he started, biological age was 10 years better than his chronological age. And then he did a whole lot of work. And then he got it to where it was 13 years better. And my daughter said, well, I did a lot of work. I only got three years. That wasn't worth it. And it's like, well, you really have to think about you know, maybe what he resolved, maybe that three years didn't come from everything moving a little bit. Maybe he resolved some big thing that was going to get him. And that moved the whole average three years. So you can't take it too easy here. You In a complex system, the only way to improve it is to measure things and track it over time and see what happens. And unfortunately, everybody's a little different. So you can't just see what you did or what like Lustgarten did or whoever else, because your body's not the same. Their body's, my body's not the same as yours or theirs. So, you know, but I can learn from what you did and what they did. And can I get a running start? You know, I reinvent the wheel, but I've got to track myself if I'm going to try to learn this stuff. But I'm determined to get better from here. I wonder, Chris, if you could tell us, give us some like real life examples, you know, from your own of, things that were on your blood test that were not as good as you wanted and then you chase down a solution you know maybe even one where you, know, you took a wrong turn and you found out and you had to go a different way yeah so here's um i mean maybe a little obscure example but so i have this great uh, omt who's uh, taught me a lot orthopedic manual therapist and um just doing some evaluations he noticed that um on one foot, I had a little bit of a balance issue. Huh. I'm like, well, that's, that's really strange. Yeah. So I started looking at, okay, what can cause, you know, balance issues? And you can get, I went to see a neurologist and had some like testing done on my, I think an EMG test on the nerves and things. Cause I had a little bit of sensory loss he found oh. in a couple of my toes. So I started researching, okay, what can cause that? And one of the things I came across was copper deficiency. And I asked the doctor, like, you know, about that. And then the doctors will say, nobody has a copper deficiency. <laughs> I mean, it's just unheard of. But I was, um, you know, I don't, I don't give up easily. And so I asked, my, I have a, a very good primary physician, um, very supportive. And if I can put a good story in front of him, he, he will work with me. And so we did a, a copper assay. And sure enough, it was below normal range. No way. And he's like, wow, I don't know that I've seen that. <laughs> so, you know, I started taking um, copper and we kind of had to tighter it because I took a little bit and didn't move the needle and I had to get up to the, what they call the tolerable upper limit of copper. Huh. And that just barely got me into the normal range. But what it did was that's what brought down my triglycerides. No way. Cut them in half and back into the normal range. That's a, that's a great story. Wow. And what did it do for your balance? Um. That may be an open question still, because okay. that can take a while to uh, to correct, even if, if it's even correctable. But I've given it time. Okay. But, um, you know, this is, I found an article by a cardiology researcher who published an article, which I gave to this doctor later, um, that said copper deficiency is a possible unknown epidemic leading to cardiovascular risk. 
So, you know, we have people know about magnesium deficiencies are widespread, but there's other micronutrients as well that are being leached out of the soil by, you know, farming practices. And so in the dark leafy vegetables, we're not getting the minerals that we used to, Um, as well as our eating habits. Our Western eating habits aren't eating the same things as we used to. And so this is something I uncovered through data collection and looking at research and things like that. And being curious. And and being curious. So being curious also, you know, back to um, getting outdoors and the mental aspects you know, it's really curious how physical exercise is good for your brain, uh, but then also your mental aspects can affect your health, of course, in the opposite direction. And yeah. Being curious, having, you know, a good social network, having, you know, motivated to do things as you get older in life, those also have a very positive aspect on, on your physical health. So uh, the, the mental aspects, you know, we need to pay attention to as well. So I, you know, I have neurophysiological test data that I've had and I, I get tested periodically on your reflex skills and your like thinking, analyzing skills, speed and your memory, stuff like that. So I have a baseline. So I know, you know, over time, if I notice something, at least I know where I was and whether it's a growing problem. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds similar to what my doctor has been doing with me forever, which is, you know, I get a blood test and they, they look for stuff that's outside of the range, right? Now, I can remember back when, before I was interested in this sort of thing, my doctor would give me advice on lifestyle and it'd be like, yeah, whatever. And I think that's probably why Americans have so much trouble is that they won't change their lifestyle. But the people listening with to us here today, I think that they are changing their lifestyle. They have changed their lifestyle. They are trying to get better. And so, and, and they're listening now because they want to get even better still. So, you know, be curious, track some things. There's lots of tools that are out there and probably more are coming. When you find something is a little off, don't disregard it like, oh, I must have been dehydrated when I had my blood test. It's like, well, yeah, maybe, but maybe not. You know, don't like go a whole nother year without getting a, a, a test again. You know, it, you know, if, you, if you've got some sign that your kidney function is declining, that's something to get on and, and figure that out. And, and okay, maybe take a, a medication in order to solve it immediately, but that, don't make that permanent try to figure out a way to get off of that medication through better diet or exercise or sleep or stress, you know, whatever the, you know, the big levers are. I think this is really important. I appreciate you sharing your learning here with the audience and with me. I'm determined to go down this path. I wonder, Chris, is there anything else advice uh, you'd give to the audience? Yeah, I'd like to bring up a a related topic to... um you know, measuring yourself, self-experimentation, and find out what works for you. So, you know, a lot of people now have, you know, whether an Apple Watch or a or a ring or a whoop strap, et cetera. Um, and one of the things that those measure is heart rate variability. Yeah. And that, in, in some aspects, that is a pretty good measure of, of whole body health. I've looked into that a little bit. I've, I've published a few things. I'm actually you know, doing a workshop at a, at a conference next month that talks about about this. So with the whoop strap, for example, where you report, you know, one, 
the next morning, things you did, and it tells you how well you recovered. And one of the parameters that goes into their algorithm is is your heart rate variability and how that was, you know, during your overnight sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, I became aware of some equipment, a laptop-based system that can measure your heart rate variability and derive many other related measures of your of your bodily health, uh, which I'll leave for another topic. But a question came up is, can you measure, uh, let's like, say you go for acupuncture. And, you know, when I used to do that before, I would come out of there and I couldn't always tell whether I felt better or not. But, you know, they say acupuncture is good for you. And so I was yeah. having some back pain and like, okay. But when I came aware of the ability to measure heart rate variability before and after, sort of an acute manner, I was, I was thinking, can you measure the effect of acupuncture, for example, or breath work or getting outdoors before and after and see a change and then know whether that actually is good for you as an individual? And so I, I did a, some research and sure enough, I found that, yeah, my, my HRV after acupuncture goes up for an hour or two. And if I get acupuncture at least twice a month, it will stabilize at one level where if I'm not doing that, it'll, it'll stabilize at a lower level. So wow. clearly it's good for me to get, you know, periodic acupuncture treatment. And that was really a, a curious, I mean, I came to that over a period of, of maybe a year or two. So it was a long process, not simple, but in a nutshell, I found that in hindsight, really interesting for my personal health. I think that's great. It just made me think of something that really has been driving me crazy personally, and that's this business of where I'm totally open and game for trying new things that I hear. There's some medical research that proves that there's some benefit to it, but I hardly ever know that it really do me any good. I mean, usually the effects are so small. How could you really tell? Sometimes you can, but most of the time you can't really tell. And so then, you know, I'm just accumulating these things. And and then eventually I'm, you know, I've got 50 things that I'm doing and now they, they must be interfering with each other and I'm spending all that money. And so then I start dropping things that I just don't know whether it's doing me any good or not. And maybe I'm dropping the ones that were doing the good. So having some way, like you're describing, of measuring the benefit, the impact, is really important for being able to do this, you know, 80-20 thing, be able to focus my money, my attention, my effort on the fewer things that are going to make the biggest difference. Yeah, if I could uh, expand on that a little bit. So I have a science and engineering background and I, you know, like metrics and I like to read the science behind something. Is it established? Have they, you know, have they been verified and repeatable? But on the other hand, things have been around a long time. You kind of wonder, maybe there's something to them. I mean, it took a long time before, for example, NIH finally blessed acupuncture. I said, oh, yeah, it, it seems effective, hmm. even if we don't completely understand, you know, how it works. And there are other things that are kind of spooky, new agey, you know, that people are like, ah. But um, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded. And so, you know, there was a – I can't remember the term, but there's some – theory, which I've not been able to convince myself of, but if you hold a substance in your hand and you do like a, a bicep curl or something, if it's good for you, you can do a stronger curl. And if it's not good for you, you're weaker. I, I tried some of that. I couldn't verify that it works for me. But mm. the thing with HRV before and after, 
you know, that, and, and I'm still in the process of self-experimenting on many different things to see if they actually seem effective for me. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is hard to say sometimes. And there's so much complex interaction. You know, a lot of very uh, classical scientists would say, you just can't do that. There's too many variables. You can't make conclusions. But, you know, I think I, I, think I, I trust what I've done. Yeah. Well, and to the extent that you're looking at blood work that has established all-cause mortality around the, you know, where you are in the range, and you're doing something and it's making your metric, your blood work metric better, well, I mean, how can you doubt it? I mean, okay, yeah, maybe the science is wrong, but it's the best understanding that we have so if you have some way of tracking things, blood or even epigenetics, and maybe even HRV, because we know that stress is one of the big levers and HRV can be a measure of that. And so having some way to have a sense of, is this a, a 0.1%er, a 1%er, a 10%er, a 100%er? You know, you, you need to have some way of being able to evaluate what impact things are having and then be able to know, well, and what's it affecting? Is this the, on the thing that I'm having my problem or is this on the thing that I'm already doing great? And so I don't re- need to invest more in that area. I need to find things that affect that are going to help where I've got my biggest weakness. Absolutely. Yep. Fantastic. All right, Chris. Thank you, sir. This has been really amazing. Tell our audience, how they can find you online and then you know any place you want to send them if they want to learn more about this sort of information yeah so uh first of all you know uh, dr vince giuliano's uh, blog website antiagentfirewalls.com i believe there's contact information through there personally i'm on linkedin i kind of use that for my uh my medical type stuff. I do have a Facebook page. You can reach me through there, Chris Wickman also, but I, that's mostly my art and music um, side, but they can, they can reach me through that as well. Right. So that's, that's probably, uh, yeah, let's start, always start with Vince's site and try to reach me through there. Right. Yeah. Vince's site has a lot of good information on there. All right. Well, Chris, thank you very much. You have a good day. Yeah. Joe, appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Take care. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in to my interview of Chris Wickman. I hope you have developed an itch for measuring and tracking your own metrics and efforts to perform better, be healthier, and live longer.